0: Listen to the word of God from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. It should be there on your screen and you can follow along. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter in, you'll find a coat tied on which no one has ever said. Untie it and bring it, and if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? say, The Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a coat tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. Some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the coat? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. It is the three great sounds in worship. It is praise, praise we've already heard today that you've been a part of through our praise band. And how about that intergenerational choir today? I've got to tell you, I thought they said the extraterrestrial choir and I didn't know what to expect, but it truly was out of this world. We appreciate them. So it is praise, it is prayers that we have lifted already today and will continue to come in a spirit of prayer. And now we've heard proclamation of God's Word. And uh, some other sounds we talk about that we love to hear in worship. Some of it is the rustling of the pages. And I encourage you to find an Old Testament book. We've had a New Testament writing. We're also going to read from the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 8. If you find 1 Kings chapter 8, we're going to be reading verses 22 through 30. So we appreciate understanding hearing the rustling of the pages and realize that your smartphones do not make the rustling. Somebody ought to make an app for that so it makes the sound when you find Bible verses it would be okay. But also the bas- splashing of the baptismal waters. We've had baptism last couple of weeks and then the third we will experience, we have our Good Friday service. It is the placing of the cup after uh, we have communion sometimes, and we love to hear that. Those are also three great sounds that we hear. But here we are on this Palm Sunday. It happened that Jesus came riding in on the coat of a donkey. He came riding in. First day of the week, it was Sunday that Jesus came, and as he came, he was declaring himself to be king. We understand that he was coming. He was declaring himself that he was not only the king of the Jews, but the king of all who placed their... Faith in And this would not have been that unusual. In other words, those who observed it that day would have recognized what Jesus was doing. For about a thousand years later, there was one who came, the son of David, who had come, and he was riding his dad's mule, declaring himself, and David was declaring that he was the next king of Israel. So now we have another descendant, another son of David who comes, but not any kind of king is he coming to be, the king of Israel, but a different kind of king the one who would be for all generations and for all people. We recognize that the people came and they began to put their cloaks down and they took leafy palm branches and began to lay those down and wave those in the air as well. Some say in declaring that they recognized that he was king. They did have a misunderstanding though of what kind of king that he would be because it wasn't just a few days later that they in the same streets and some of the same crowd would be yelling, crucify him, crucify him. But as they came... Uh, They were looking for that political Messiah to take care of the oppressors of Rome. And they came though, they were celebrating, they were declaring Jesus king. They yelled, Hosanna. We sang it here just a moment ago. It's a cry of praise. It actually comes from a Hebrew word that means pray, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the one who was coming, of course, was one who wanted to bring victory, not just to one group of people or not just to one generation, but it was to all people, to all generations. So many, many more could experience the victory that can be had in Christ. Well, I'm telling you, you have reason to celebrate this Palm Sunday. You have even a better understanding of why Jesus has come to earth and why he presents himself as the king in Jerusalem. Uh, John two is part of our hundred days of reading. Some of you are doing the hundred days of reading. We read that this week, and in that particular uh, chapter is the first sign or the first miracle of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Many of you know the story: Jesus and his disciples are at a wedding in the village of Cana, and they run out of wine. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes to him as if to present the problem to him. What's he going to do? And, Jesus says this statement, Woman, my time has not yet come. Now, regardless of your interpretation of what Jesus was saying with that phrase, he did perform the miracle, the first sign in John, though he said his time has not yet come. But now, Palm Sunday, now his time has come. In three of the four Gospels, Bobby read earlier in the service from Matthew when this took place, but three of the four Gospels, when it talks about the triumphal entry of Jesus It says, then Jesus, after he presented himself, he went to the temple in Jerusalem. A couple of weeks ago, we began a series of messages from the kings, first and second kings that we're looking at, and we've called it the king in the kingdom. And uh, we've been reading about David's son, Solomon, called the wisest man who ever lived, wrote much of the wisdom literature of the Bible, including Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and of Solomon. Now Solomon was far from a perfect king and we'll talk a little bit more about that later but every time that we read about an imperfect king or imperfect anybody in the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, we're reminded there is only one who is perfect, only one who is able to be come and to be able to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. But one of the good things Solomon was known for was the building of the great temple in Jerusalem. Now the temple that Jesus came to on that Palm Sunday was not Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. Some of you might remember King of Babylon around 587 BC. A second temple then was built about 70 or so years later. Ezra the prophet had something to do with that and then there was uh, Zerubbabel who was the governor of Judah and other prophets and they, they did not have near the resources that Solomon did so they made it a much smaller temple and not near as elaborate. And, uh, but King Herod the Great the one whom was alive when Jesus was born, killed the babies in Bethlehem, he took had a notion to build a more to the temple. And he took many, many years and added much more to the temple, made it much more elaborate, not as a tribute to the Lord, but probably instead just a tribute to himself. So much so that it was now called King Herod's Temple. Today, the only part of that temple that remains is what's known as the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. Called that because of all the mourning that took place on that wall after that temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. Seventy decades, excuse me, four decades after the triumphal entry of Jesus. So our focus this morning, I sure want you to hang with me here today, our focus this morning is going to be about the temple in Jerusalem and on this Palm Sunday, and it is deliberate in order to make a connection to our study in 1 Kings and talk about celebrations and reasons that we should celebrate. Old Testament reading is going to come from 1 Kings chapter 8, and it really is our text for today. Today we want to learn from Solomon and discover reasons that we should celebrate. Even with all the things that are happening in the world today, we still have reasons to celebrate. Even if you have more than difficult things that are happening in your life or in your home personally, you have reasons to celebrate. So this Holy Week, we're going to learn from the Old Testament, the New Testament, passages and reasons to celebrate and how to celebrate our crucified and risen Lord. By the time of the writing of 1 Kings 8, the events that are taking place here, the temple has been built by Solomon and all of his workers. And the provisions for the temple were from the Lord, but it was through the, through the Lord, but by David. 1 Kings 8 is a dedication service, and we're going to read just a small slice of that dedication service And this is Solomon's prayer to God during the time of the dedication. We're in 1 Kings chapter 8. going to be reading verses 22 through 30. This now is the word of God. It says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward heaven and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you, in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all of their heart, You have kept with your servant David, my father, what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth and with your hand have fulfilled it this day. Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, what you have promised in him, saying you shall not like a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me as you have walked before me. Now therefore, O God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant to this plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day, that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you have said, My name shall be there that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place. Listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. And listen in heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. Celebration is a joyful occasion in which by we acknowledge the goodness of the Lord. You have reason to celebrate today and this week because you celebrate the presence of God. You celebrate the presence of God. David had desired to build the Lord's temple, but was not allowed. The preceding chapters in 1 Kings talk about the details of the temple. It was basically twice as large as the tabernacle, but now had uh, windows and doors, and of course much more elaborate with silver, gold, and precious metals. Here's one example. You Have it on the screen, or you can look it up. 1 Kings chapter 6, verses 21 and 22 says this. And Solomon overlaid the inside of the house with pure gold, and he drew chains of gold across in front of the inner sanctuary, overlaid it with gold. And he overlaid the whole house with gold until all the house was finished and the whole altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary, he overlaid with what? Gold. The temple that Solomon built spared no expense. Solomon spent seven years building the temple, but what was important about the temple was not the elaborate building or the furnishing but it represented God's presence with the people, although Solomon acknowledged that even heaven and earth cannot contain all of God's presence. But we recognize the presence of the Lord occupied the temple. The last thing to be placed in the temple was the Ark of the Covenant. And it was not until this day of dedication that the Ark was come and it was placed in the inner sanctuary in the Holy of Holies. Notice what happened when the Ark was placed. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 6 says this, then the priest brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house in the most holy place underneath the wings of the cherubim. Verses 10 11. says, And when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled with the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Almost always when it has anything to do with the Lord and a cloud appears, it is that the presence of the Lord is there And in the Old Testament, God dwelt in the temple. Not confined to the temple, but symbolically and literally, it was the place where the Spirit of God could be found. And that continued until Jesus. What became unfortunate for the Jews is that when people came to the temple is that they stopped worshiping God, but instead they worshiped the temple and they worshiped the rituals of religion. By the time we get to, in the New Testament, In John chapter 2, we find that Jesus talks about this very thing. John chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, it says this. and It says, so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And This is after Jesus had cleansed the temple, at least the first time. Then it says, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has been 46 years to build the temple and you'll raise it up in three days for 46 years. Herod's been adding to it. Then verse 21 says, But he, Jesus, was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. When Jesus came, we understand he was the presence of God. Holy Spirit dwelt in him. After Jesus rose from the dead, he was seen for 40 days. Then he ascended. After he ascended, 10 days later, the Spirit of God, we're told in the Scripture in Acts 2, was poured out on all believers, and it remains with all believers ever since, more than once in the New Testament. Such as in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, Paul writes, We are the temple of the living God. We understand that the Holy Spirit dwells in all those who are believers The Holy Spirit dwells in you if you're a follower of Jesus today. Now we know today people make up the church. We are the body of Christ. The building is but a tool to be used for God's purpose. However, what we do in our physical bodies, what we do even in this physical building should be not less than our very best. We do not worship the building, but we worship the one who dwells within our hearts and our lives. So today we we celebrate the presence of God even in this place. God is present here. His glory fills even these buildings, not because they're buildings, not because they are the church, but because the people of God dwell here. Because we are present, we are ready to worship, we want to serve. Blessed be the name of our God, blessed be the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But also you celebrate, you celebrate your participation with God. Your participation with God. God is at work today and he invites us to join in in his great work. Notice what we read a moment ago in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 23. Solomon said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. Solomon recognized that his accomplishments were not really his accomplishments. Even at this time, he was recognizing these were really the accomplishments of God. Our Lord has done great things. There is no God like our God in heaven or on earth. So we do not look at our building today or many ministries of Parkway Baptist Church and ever say, look at all the things that we have done. But instead, if anything good happens in life, if anything good is going on, anything good is taking place, we understand it's from Jesus. We remember the Old Testament story in Genesis chapter 11 where about the Tower of Babel, that God's not pleased with people who build a monument to themselves. But here's what we celebrate. God lets us be a part in what he's doing. He doesn't need us in order to demonstrate his power, but he chooses to allow us to join him in his great work. God allows us to participate in that which has heavenly value. The greatest blessing is not what you have on this earth, but it's taking part in what God is doing to build his kingdom. You've been a part of the kingdom work when you pray to the church. You're part of the kingdom work when you worship when you come into this place and your hearts are attuned to worship and your hearts are attuned to God you're part of kingdom work when you join in in the ministries many ministries of our church are that you're serving the Lord inside or outside the church and particularly when you're sharing the good news of the gospel and showing love to others in Jesus' name and yes you're part of kingdom work when you give your tithes and offerings I had a dear saint that reminded me of the story of two men that were shipwrecked on a de- deserted island. And they came as they were shipwrecked. As soon as they got on the beach, one man kind of found him a nice place to sit and relax. The other man began to run all over the beach looking to see if it was inhabited. He came back and he, yelling at the other man, said, There's, this is an uninhabited island. There's no one here. There's no food or no water. We're going to die. The other man said, said don't worry. I make $250,000 a week. And he said, no, but you don't understand. Listen, he began to shake him. Listen, we're on an uninhabited island. No food, no water. We're going to die. And he said it again. He said, no. He said, I make over $250,000 a week. The the first man was becoming angry. He said, I don't care what you make. This doesn't matter. It doesn't have anything to do with what's happening here because, listen, there's nobody on this island. There's no food. There's no water. We're going to die a slow, agonizing death. The second man sat down and said, listen, please don't make me keep telling you this. I make over a quarter million dollars a week. I'm a Baptist and I tithe. My pastor will find me. (laughs) Well, today you can celebrate because of your participation with God and his work today. Jesus came into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday knowing that presenting himself would require a great sacrifice. Your service to Jesus might require a great sacrifice, but you and I can celebrate because we have the uh, opportunity and the Lord has deemed us worthy to be able to participate in His good work. This week you're encouraged to celebrate the promise of God. You're encouraged to celebrate the promise of God. God made a promise to David and to Israel. We read it a moment ago, 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 24. Here's how it says it in the New International Version. You have kept your promise, Solomon says. You have kept your promise to your servant David my father and with your mouth you have promised and with your hand you have fulfilled it as it is today. David very much wanted to be able to build the temple but he was not allowed. Scripture tells us that he was not allowed because his kingdom was marked by war and bloodshed. But David prepared Israel for the building of the temple and gave many of his own provisions and wealth toward this building project. Solomon enjoyed a great time of prosperity and of peace. Solomon's prosperity was said to be like any other kingdom in the world of that day and maybe any other since that day. Solomon, the wisest man on earth, recognized it was because of God's promise and blessing that this temple was built. What is the promise that we celebrate today? Now, there are many promises and all of God's promises we should be able to celebrate But this is the promise that I want you to celebrate on this Palm Sunday and this Holy Week as we get ready for Resurrection Sunday. It's in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6. It also has a building theme. It's a a quote from Isaiah chapter 28. It says, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Many of you know that in January 24, we're taking a group to the Holy Land. Max Tricado tells about going to the Holy Land and taking a group. In fact, he was, he was sharing a message while on the uh, southern steps of the Temple Mount. And he was just sharing on uh, using the words one and only from John 3:16. Talks about how temple's not needed anymore because Jesus is the one and only. But whenever he said the words one and only, there would come from the crowd a high pitched an eerie voice that would also repeat those words back to him in a mocking way. And every he said the name Jesus, there would be a deeper heavier accented voice heard repeating the name Jesus in a scoffing way. After this repeating happened several times and got louder and louder, Locato stopped and proclaimed this prayer. And he said, Jesus is the supreme authority of this place, any place, and every place, which, by the way, includes any demons, servants of hell, and Satan himself. You're not welcome in this gathering, he prayed. And there was silence. And Lucado, Lucado concluded this message in peace. Upon inquiry and investigation, there no one could be found who, if anyone, was present who was the culprit. While there is evil in this world, and it is undeniable, you would to remember You and I are to remember this promise. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And celebrate today, celebrate this week your prayers to God. Celebrate your prayers to God for we are able to communicate and he wants to communicate with us, the one who is the creative, redemptive, awesome God of the universe. Listen to this, these, these verses One of the last verses we read a moment ago, 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 30. It says, or Solomon said, Hear the supplication of your servant and your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place and when you hear, forgive. 25 times in this chapter the word prayer or a word that means prayer such as cry out, supplication or plea is used in this chapter. The temple was important because it indicated that people could communicate with God. Do you remember what Jesus said after He cleared the temple, or maybe even as He was clearing the temple? Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, It is written, Jesus said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer. For you see, we've not come to this point in the life of this church. And you've not come to a point, or no one here has come to a point, if, they, if you are a growing believer in the Lord Jesus, without much, much time being spent in prayer, Solomon prayed. Solomon prayed that God would hear his prayer. Solomon also prayed that all those who come into the temple or all those who pray toward the temple that God would hear their prayer. And Solomon also prayed that the prayers of foreigners would turn to God in prayer. It is within God's character and you can be sure that the Lord hears these prayers. You remember the sounds of worship we talked about a minute ago that we like to hear? I mean, certainly the prayers, the praise, and the proclamation. Ah, But we like to hear the baptismal waters in the church for we recognize that someone's been baptized. Somebody has prayed. They prayed to receive Jesus. They prayed to ask Jesus to forgive them of their sin and ask Christ to come in to be their Savior and Lord. We love to hear the sound of the placing of the cup after we take communion. Because we recognize that we have spent time remembering and thanking the Lord for the very gift that He has given us when He died for us on the cross and shed His blood and His body was broken for us. And we've recommitted in prayer to Him. And even the turning of the pages that sometimes we hear in worship, it is the fact that we're coming, we're not just to be able to read the passage, but we're coming seeking Seeking the Lord and seeking what He has to say to us, these are sounds symbolizing that this is a place of prayer. But not just the building, because the true temple of God, we've understand and already talked about, founded in Jesus, that, that which houses the Holy Spirit, that is you, believers in the Lord Jesus, we are to be characterized and that we are to be people described as people of prayer. But also we find evidence in Scripture that you're celebrate, you are to celebrate People coming to God through Jesus. We're to celebrate people coming to Jesus. For we recognize that we are continuing and we have this opportunity to be a part of this great kingdom work. Now, 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 41 and 42 says this. Solomon still, dedication. Uh, service that's taking place verse 41 he says "As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel but has come from a distant land because of your name they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when they come and pray toward this temple Solomon wisest man on earth he recognized why the temple is being built it's not just for them it's not just for him it's not just for the Jewish people but he's recognizing that all along God had a plan He's recognizing even back during the time of Abraham when he was called out of the land of Ur to a land that he did not know that God had a plan. When Moses was called to come and deliver God's people out of Egypt and into the promised land that there was a plan. Recognize that when David became king and allowed Solomon to build the temple, God's plan all along was that God's people were to be a light to the nations. The temple was built so that people would know there's a God in Israel, and they would turn to Him. We read it, 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 41 and 42. We also want people to know that there is a God who knows and loves them. For whatever we do, whether it be something that we do as far as building projects, whether it's something that we do in ministry of our church, or something that we do in missions, it's not just to have a better physical existence on earth. It's not even just so that we might become better people. May it be so that people may know of the heavenly and have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't happen all that often, but from time to time, I'll ask somebody if I can pray for them. Most of the people, 99% probably say, yes, preacher, please pray for us. But it happened just the other day again. I said, can I pray for you? He said, well, I'd rather you not because I really don't believe. And I gotta tell you, at that time, uh, certainly there was sad that somebody said they don't believe in Jesus, but I have kind of a spark that lit up inside the, my spirit that bordered line a little bit of a challenge, for I understood that this is the reason we exist. This is the reason that we're not taken to heaven immediately we are saved. It is for those people who do not know Jesus that they might also become believers so that they might know there is a God that loves and cares for them. So I prayed a silent prayer. And hope he through conversation even opened the door. But you and I who are followers of Jesus have this in common. We exist to bring glory to God and to help other people to know the truth. Jesus loves everyone and has a plan for the life. And that includes eternal life. In fact, that's why we're here today. Beside the fact that we're here to bring glory and praise to God, we're also here for someone who may be here or even may be listening today that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So that you might know that God has a plan for your life so that you might know that God, has, God loves you and the truth is found in Jesus and we know that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, God in the flesh who came, dwelt among us that died on the cross on what we call Good Friday, three days later rose again so that we might be able to have life. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God so all of us are in need. So if you don't know Christ today, you can know that you have a need just like we all have a need and we have a need for the divine. We have a need for forgiveness. For the Bible tells us the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we know that we can turn, you can turn your heart and your life over to Him. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Will you give your heart and life to Jesus today? Then you can really join in, in the celebration this week. Celebration of Holy Week. Celebration of the cross and the resurrection for the reasons that we have discovered here today. And to those who know Jesus, I hope that you have been encouraged or convinced or maybe even convicted as a believer in Christ. You have reason to celebrate this Palm Sunday, this Holy Week, including Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate through remembering. We celebrate through lifting up of prayers, praise, and thanksgiving through fellowship with family and church family. It's okay to join in the celebration this week. Regardless of what's happening in the world in which we live, regardless of what's happening in your world, of the great difficulties that you may be facing. In fact, the greater the difficulty, the more reason to point to the greatness and the power of God that we know is available through the Lord Jesus. Now, we've put a focus this morning on this Old Testament story of the building, dedication of God's temple, also to remind us that He's not finished, He's still building and growing His church. Aren't you glad we get to be a part of it? But what about when the celebration is over? Then what? I mean, what about when Easter is over? Let's say you're convinced you're going to celebrate. I mean, really celebrate this week. You're going to pursue Jesus, spend personal time and prayer with the Lord, seek Him. You're going to celebrate with others. You're going to talk about and you're going to be able to... Be sure that you focus on the Lord more this week, maybe more so than any other time during the year, maybe more so than any time before. Well, that'd be a good thing, I think, to happen this week. Well, then what? Then what will you do? Well, can I I give you this suggestion? In these days and after these days, continue to trust and obey Jesus. Just as this week's celebration of Jesus lets the world know you're a follower of Him, so will a life who sold out to Jesus and continues to trust and obey Him. And thus the celebration continues. Solomon's celebration of the temple came to an end. In fact, the last verse in 1 Kings chapter 8, it did say that all the people went home with joy and gladness of heart. But Solomon did not continue the celebration. For we know that in his life he did not continue to trust and obey. In the New Testament story of Palm Sunday and the celebration of the people as Jesus presented himself as their next king. And they came and they laid down cloaks and they waved palm branches and they proclaimed, Hosanna, great is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is he. It didn't continue. For we know, as we've said before, those same streets and some of those same voices now would yell, crucify him, crucify him. But I'm telling you, when this week is over, celebration does not need to end. Let the world see that you will trust and obey him and praise him no matter what comes because he is good, he is God, and he is almighty. Let's pray together. Gracious heavenly fathers, we come to you now. We do lift up praise to our good, gracious, and almighty God. We thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we are able to celebrate today because Jesus presented himself as the one who is the king of all kings. We are thankful for what Jesus has done for us for this great gift of the crucifixion. We're thankful that he conquered death of the resurrection. We, pro- we come today proclaiming his great name. We pray, Father, for all those who are gathered here. Those may be listening today, Father, that even now that we might be encouraged and be able to understand that always... Regardless, we have reason to celebrate because of what Jesus has done for us and because of what Jesus continues to do and even because of what we know the future will hold when we are able to spend eternity with him and that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Help us to increase our celebration and our trust and our obedience and faithfulness in you. And Father, we pray for those who do not know you as Lord and Savior. We pray that you may dwell this place in the hearts of every believer here so that others might be able to see there is a God who loves and cares. And Father, we pray if there's one here today or more who do not know Jesus as their Savior and Lord or maybe they're not sure that they have Christ in their heart or a home in heaven, may they not be able to leave this place without knowing for sure that Christ is able to live in their heart and that they have a home in heaven. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you for the opportunity to share it today. We pray, Father, and know that it will not return void, but instead it will accomplish its purpose. We lift up these prayers in the precious name of Jesus.